Greetings, everybody, and welcome to Podcast Unlocked, episode 44. This is IGN's best and only Xbox 360-centric podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Hopper, the head of IGN's Xbox channel. Joining me are locksmiths Peter Eichmanns. Hello, everybody. And returning from his sabbatical, Mr. Casey Lynch, beard-in-chief of IGN. Hello. Applause, applause. Whoa. It's not like we're just changing radio stations there. From our own podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, what yeah, else is on? Got very crazy and staticky and hairy. Well, welcome back, Casey. <clears throat> it's good to have you back on the podcast. It's after good to be back. So long. Good. Um, <clears throat> sorry, guys. I'm getting over something. I'm getting over the loss of a close friend. My not being sickness. <laughs> I'm sick. Yeah, about that guy and on. I used to hang out all the time <clears throat> about until a qu- this week. He stopped calling. About a quarter <laughs> of the people in the office are sick. So. Yeah, yeah, it's messy. Crazy. But yeah, a lot to talk about this week, guys. There's a ton of games I know, that hit. January started, and we're like, eh, what are you going to play? I don't know. What are you going to play? Uh, last year's stuff. Now it's like, yeah. 2012 is here. Yeah, man. Have some games. It's nuts. I mean, we, you know, there was a nice little lull before, mm-hmm. I mean, after Christmas, and suddenly we're back in the deluge, and it looks like it's going to keep on going. It's going to keep on trucking. Um, but yeah, this week we had uh, Never Dead, which we're going to talk about. Um, Final Fantasy thirteen two, which we're also going to hit on. Um, Soul Calibur five. Ah uh, yes. Um, and on the downloadable front, uh, Double Fine released Happy Action Theater, uh, which was just reviewed today. And later on in the podcast, Mr. Casey Lynch is going to talk about that for us. But first off, let's talk about the greatest game to launch this week: Never Dead. Yeah, Never un- Dead, right? Yeah, undoubtedly this is the game to watch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yeah, so in case you haven't heard about Never Dead, um, it didn't receive a lot of hype from <clears throat> their publisher, Konami. Uh, wisely chose not to do much <laughs> with it. Um, we reviewed it, we posted the review yesterday, and we gave it a whopping 3 out of 10. Um, I actually did the review, and I played through the whole game twice. And the first time I played it through, I, I took tons of notes, and uh, I just put it down, and I didn't touch it for probably uh, a couple weeks. And then I went back, and I played it a second time so uh, so I could capture all the footage for the video review. And God, oh, it just it infuriated me. And yeah. In fact, I, I think um, had I not played it the second time, uh, I can't say this for sure, but the score may have even turned out a little bit higher, just a hair higher. But um, the second playthrough just reiterated sort of the the overall effect that the game had on me, which was just, uh, I just want to punch myself. Well, tell, <laughs> tell us about it. Like, what, what sucks about Never Dead? What uh, makes it so just awful? Um, the fact that it has so much promise and there's moments of brilliance in it, mm-hmm. meaning, like, the idea of having a third-person character who can't be killed and uh, randomly can fall apart is is cool inherently. Yeah. The problem with it is the game itself takes place over the course of these just totally dull, predictable environments. I mean, even their names, and I call this out in the review. I mean, the, when you start a new chapter, the it's asylum, sewer, streets <laughs> to the church, destroyed streets and they look just like they sound just blah <laughs> yeah. and uh and then the game itself the the combat is essentially th- throughout the co- course of most of the game you're fighting the same three an- enemies and then oh, they man. they throw in i think two mini bosses and then several other uh sort of larger scale boss encounters and it's just like dull and it and then on top of that, the controls are, are really weird. Like where you would have sort of a, a, a more fast-paced game like uh, Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, even Too mm-hmm. Human, and um, the controls re- feel really fluid. Uh, <clears throat> this one is not. To to actually switch between your dual wielding guns and your sword, it's not uh, just a com- you know a command or, or a trigger. You have to actually swap your weapons, and then you have to pull the left trigger. Um, and this is swapping from gunplay to the sword play. Um, you have to press Y, pull the left trigger to lock onto your enemy, and then you have to swipe with your analog stick. So, let me get this straight. You have to you have to change your weapons, but when you change to a new weapon, it completely changes the control scheme. Yeah, it goes from oh, it goes from button map to analog mapped. 
so there's no reason why you should have to do i mean the the thing that i have issue with design wise is like why are you doing both of these things and not one or the other why if you like if the sword controls and the gun controls are mapped to two different you know control schemes like you're doing two different things like you're shooting with the x button i guess or or the triggers and you're swiping your sword with the right analog stick why the hell do you have to change between the two? Here's why. is because yeah. during the course of the regular gameplay, or I should say uh, w- during the gunplay portions, uh, when you are using your dual-wielding um, you know, guns, mm-hmm. the right analog stick is used to control the camera. So okay. when you switch to the sword uh, play, you can't control your camera because you're locked onto an enemy, and uh, that stick now becomes um, the analog control for your sword. Now, the, the idea behind that is is sound. So the idea to say, I'm just going to have freedom to move my sword in any direction, and it's based, you know, one-to-one based on my analog control. Mm -hmm. That, I guess, is cool in and of itself. It just doesn't work right. It's unnecessary. Like, there's there, there were very few times when I felt like, oh my gosh, I pulled off an awesome sword strike at this crazy diagonal angle only because I was using an analog stick. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it could have very easily been uh, mapped to a button. Yeah, that, yeah. And the enemies are so generic and predictable and forgettable, and they spawn out of these things called demon wombs that literally burp. They go like, and then the enemies just fly out, and and right when you get into an area, this bad, you know, heavy metal starts. Now wait, bad. When you say bad heavy metal, you're not referring to Megadeth's. Now, now let's be very clear here. Megadeth (laughs) wrote a song for. The Never Dead soundtrack. Okay. Um, I don't know who wrote and performed the music that you'll hear throughout uh, the game. The music itself in a vacuum isn't necessarily... Oh. It's, it's not good. <laughs> I it's, love vacuum music. It's, it's just... Great. It, yeah, yeah. You probably couldn't hear it in a vacuum. Um, <laughs> but what I mean is it, out of the context of the game. The problem why it, it becomes bad and then ultimately annoying is because uh, it it happens every single time you start a fight. It's the same thing as like if you played Devil May Cry 4. Yeah. Um, every time you started a fight, these <clears throat> these crazy walls would close off the arena that you're now fighting in. Mm. And uh, you then... Who were you playing as in 4? Nero? Who's who is the, the yeah, main guy his, in Devil May Cry Four for the, the first thirteen chapters before he switched back to Dante and then played through the game again backwards and faced all the same bosses, which was lame. Devil May Cry Four. <laughs> Anyways, um, in this one, it's the same sort of thing. And the music starts, uh-huh. and then there's cheesy one-liners, and and the doors are closed until you clean out the whole thing, and and you just do that throughout the course of the entire game. So the premise of dismemberment and uh, decapitation is just sort of lost within all of that muckety muck, mm-hmm. and then the controls just make it unfun. And yeah. then on top of that, the story is so harebrained and ill-conceived and all over the place. Bryce is not somebody that you want to play as or be. And then, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting older and, and too existential, but I just thought, this guy's been alive for 500 years. Why? He should be doing something different with his life. What yeah. is he doing? <laughs> Why does he care? You know, he, he, could, he, could, he could have been in a better game. With 500 years of, uh, of living, he could have thought to himself... You know, this game sucks. I need to go be in a different game. That's true. <laughs> no? Not so much? Well, I mean, considering video games have only really been around for maybe 30 or 40 years, he'd probably want to... Uh, I don't know. It didn't seem like he had a lot of time to really consider video games compared <laughs> compared to the grand scheme of things of <laughs> That's him right. being 500 years old. Uh, granted. You know, Smithing and with, wasn't for him. Within that his, notwithstanding. Within his 500 years, yeah. um, you know, video games have only been popular for about 30. So Right, right. Yeah. Um, that notwithstanding, the game sounds like a real piece of shit. Yeah. So. Now, Frustrating. Let, let's, let's say one caveat. Um, okay. There are some people that will play this and not mind any of those things that I've said. They'll just, mm. they'll like it. And for those people, woo, have fun. Yeah, um, enjoy. I will say if it was a downloadable game that was 10 bucks, I think it would be a completely different proposition. But as a full retail game for $59.99, um, with this tacked on, you know, 13 challenge co-op mode, um, it, it just, it didn't do it for me. But, I mean, a bad game is a bad game, regardless of how much it costs. True. So Yes, but what I'm saying is it just doesn't hurt your soul as much when you play it, knowing that you spent $60 on it, as opposed to, it's a downloadable game and I'm just going to fuck around for a little bit. That's true. Speaking of downloadable games huh? and what? messing around a little bit, um, also coming out this week, uh, today in fact, was yeah. uh, Double Fine's Happy Action Theater, which Mr. Lynch and his uh, 
Progeny also reviewed. <laughs> this is correct. You've been busy. I know. What happened? All of a sudden, you're just tackling all the games. There you go. Crazy. Everyone. So tell us about it. Uh, well, so this is from Double Fine, obviously, uh, creators of everything from Psychonauts and Brutal Legend to uh, Trenched, now called Iron Brigade. Iron Brigade, yep. And, uh, and uh, Costume Quest and stacking and, 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 and such. So mm-hmm. this game, or, or sort of play thing, came about from a conversation, that, and this is all what I've heard. Um, Tim Schafer from Double Fine uh, was playing a game with his daughter, or someone's daughter, and it was difficult for them to get into the game. Controls were hard, and the kid ultimately just didn't have fun. So the, the notion behind creating a game that has this, the smallest barrier to entry, it was sort of the impetus for this game. And I would say that they were absolutely successful in bringing that to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically starts, and the game actually, you put it in and it literally starts without a menu and you just start playing. And it's it's an augmented reality type thing where Connect. it's a Connect only game, yeah. and Connect essentially puts you in the scene that you're in, in this sort of... Uh, excuse me, carnival house kind of thing where everything from uh, pigeons come and land all over you and you and if you move your hand, I'm moving my hand, can you hear it? I'm, uh, you, <laughs> you throw bird, bells on your wrist. You, yeah, exactly. You uh, throw bird seed. Uh-huh. And so you can put your arms out like uh, to the side, like, like you're being hung on a crucifix, and they come and they land in your arms because that's what kids like to do. And, uh, and then there's other things where like you know you're in a room and all of a sudden it fills up with lava and you can pick up the lava and throw it at people and it turns into fireballs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a snow one where you can throw snowballs. There's uh, so there's all sorts of just little kind of cool diversions and. Okay. Um, there's no scoring. There's no winners or losers. There's just these fun mm-hmm. things to do in front of your TV. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds pretty different. I mean, when you reviewed it, did you have like trouble putting a score on it? Because it's just so kind of weird and... I, I did. Wall. My kids, uh, of course, you know, I said, hey, guys, this is totally up your alley. Can you help me with the review? So I had them write up their parts, and it's in the written review, and they actually did all the voiceover and the video review. But I said, what do you guys want to score? And, they're, and they both just, oh, let's give it a 10. <laughs> <laughs> because to them, you know, they're just like, oh, it's so fun. And, uh, and I said, wait a second. So, you know, and we talked through some of the criteria of uh, scoring games and, and what makes a good game, what doesn't make a good game, so on and so forth. And we all kind of unanimously landed on an eight, just because we felt like for uh, the value for $10, um, mm-hmm. to be able to just have this thing that anyone can, that's in the living room, can take part in. And there's no instructions. There's no do this, do this, oh, set up this. And, you know, you don't have to do any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's super easy to play. And also, you know, my three-year-old, Harlow, uh, and you can see her in the video review. <laughs> she uh, she can play too, you know. So all that said, I, I think it's um, it's a really good value for ten bucks, mm-hmm. and um, it was a lot of fun. Well, on the note of giving it a ten, depending on how accurate you can throw fireballs, it might be better than Uncharted Three and the shooting. <laughs> right. I th- yeah, you might be onto something with that. <laughs> Naughty dog, take notice. Um, yeah, I mean, so there's parts of it too that are a little that come off a little um, lower resolution, um, and that's fine. I mean, it looks a little bit like something out of I didn't know in the in the article I said uh, like like a Chuck E. Cheese cam or something, and that's yeah. the I think that's part of the appeal of it. So it's just it's a fun little thing. It's not definitely not a ten though, Peter. I know. <laughs> so. It's good for for children, but what if you're like you know in your twenties and you like to have people over at your house, you know, imbibing beers and whatnot? Uh, do you think it'd be fun for beverages? them? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, for uh, snake one of those high school cruisers. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, if you like to play Dance Central, if you like to play Rock Band, if you like to play, you know, even some of the other sillier Connect games like Hole in the Wall. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it's just a party game. And even just to have it on, like literally, if you leave it on, it just cycles through the games. And so the connects on, it's a, it's a sort of mirror to re- whatever room you're in. Mm-hmm. And just randomly while you're sitting there talking and having your beers, your room will fill up with balloons. And you'll watch and you'll just be motivated to stand up and kick them all out of the way. There's a, there's a part in, in the game where uh, the room becomes a black and white uh, like monster movie, mm-hmm. uh, like a Godzilla movie, and you're giant, and all these buildings grow up on the ground, and you can just walk all over them and smash them, and helicopters come and attack you, and jets, and you can knock them <laughs> away like you're King Kong. I mean, it's just fun. It's totally stupid, but it's fun. I think you kind of hit on something with that, too, because when you go to a party at someone's house, usually there's music playing, um, there's just some sort of ambient something happening yeah. in the background. Like, it's music, no one's like sitting around like, 
directly, you know, engaging and listening to the music. It's just kind of there in the background. Yep. But like, let's say we have this kind of video game that satisfies those same ideals where it's just this ambient game in the background. It's like, oh, hey, look at that. There's, you know, a bunch of buildings. I'm going to go wreck the shit out of them. Hold my beer. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that sounds great. I, th- and, I think so too. And in the review, I call it more like a toy that you play with as opposed to games that you play. Uh-huh. So I, I, I think that that's, that's what it is. I mean, think about it last night. We were at your house and we were, we were bored. We're like, hey, let's just play something real quick. And we started playing Rage. And yeah. I mean, look, what a different experience um, playing that versus just having this on while you're, you know, throwing back a couple of brews. Yeah. Throwing back a couple of brews. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. Beautiful. Anyway, so, yeah, it's fun. And the fun with that, too, is because it's such a kid-centric game with this particular review, um, we sort of had this intuition to involve the kids. And so people have really Mm -hmm. responded well to it. So hopefully we'll be able to do that again in the future with games like this. Yeah, Yeah. awesome. Be great. Um, Yeah, also uh, releasing this this week is uh, Final Fantasy XIII 2. Have you guys played it at all? There's a demo up on uh, Xbox Live. I have not. Uh, have you played it all? Casey? I have not. I played thirteen. Okay, um, I've played. I played through thirteen and also uh, worked my way through the demo. I haven't played the final version, uh, but I will say that it seems somewhat improved. Um, they retained the the fast action pace of the um, original Final Fantasy thirteen. Um, they included some like quick time events, which I know you're all thinking out there. You're like, oh, well, you know, screw that. Quick time events are everywhere, but um, it does actually kind of work for the game. It adds a new level to the combat in a in a way that you know basically isn't there before, um, and it feels a lot more fluid. It's faster. Um, paradigm shifting happens a lot quicker. Um, you spend more time in combat, engaged with your with the enemy, uh, than you did in thirteen, which I thought was good. Um, it does feel a little bit too on autopilot at times. I thought that was the whole thing um, that this quest would do, though, that it opens up much faster. Well, no, I, I don't. Early on, I, I don't mean that in reference to the campaign. Okay, I mean that in terms of the the combat. You still find yourself ah. in situations where you're just hitting auto attack um, more often than not, which is kind of a bummer. I would like to see. Um, and granted, this is just based on my experience with the demo. I haven't played the final complete game. I'm, I'm sure many of you out there who have are just like gritting your teeth saying, shut the hell up, asshole. <laughs> but um, just based on my experience with the demo, it, it does feel a bit autopilot-y. And from what I've heard from people, it's still a little on the grind-heavy side, um, which is kind of a bummer. That said, I'm still absolutely excited to finally get my hands on the game Um since it just came out yesterday, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to snag it as soon as I can. Yeah, cool. I think you can. Uh, similar to thirteen, I think you can tune how you want combat to roll. And I think that what they've tried to do is implement a system for people who wanted to stay away from menus as much as possible, uh-huh. um, and then managing, you know, like the older, like from twelve, like the gambit system and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the idea is just to keep people fighting. So, but yeah. some people, yeah, some people did not like that. Um, you know, just sitting there like, oh, attack, attack. Yeah. But. And I mean, you can find that in just about every Final Fantasy exactly. game. There are going to be situations <clears throat> where all you have to do is, you know, hit the attack button and, and spam it until the, till the other guy's dead. Um, and there is, to be sure, some moments of, like, real brilliant strategy in 13 and 13 too, to an extent. So, I don't know. I, uh, I uh, would like to find out the final, or get my hands on the final game. Um, yeah. Our very own Ryan Clements reviewed it and gave it an eight. Um, you can check out that review on IGN.com. Um, it's a really good review, so give it a read if you're interested in Final Fantasy 13. <laughs> also launching this week is Soul Calibur Five. Oh man, <clears throat> this one I have spent. Excuse me, <clears throat> I have spent a decent amount of time with the retail build of the game, and uh, we uh, had a review post yesterday. Uh, by uh, Stephen from the uh, our Australian branch, mm-hmm. and he gave it a seven point five. Um, a lot of people were kind of like, "Okay, what the hell about the score?" Just because you know it's Soul Caliber, they traditionally score pretty high. Um, you know, they they rank up there in terms of fighting game franchises. Um, but I'd have to say, for the most part, I agree with with his thoughts and his ideas in the review. Um, I thought. You know the the story mode was severely lacking, and if this is one of the the big features that they were trying to implement into the game to really push it in another direction, then it you know was kind of a kind of kind of a tepid addition 
Um, it didn't really feel like a lot of focus was put into the story and making it good and making it compelling. You know, you you uh, you get the 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 hero that you play as in the story mode, uh, Patroclos or Patroclos or something like that. Um, <laughs> it's actually two words. It, it, he's Glenn Close's son, Patrick Close. Patrick Close. Okay, sorry. Anyway, you get you get Patrick Close <laughs> in the story mode. <laughs> Patrick Close. Patrick Close, played by Glenn Close. Um, anyway. You 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 get this character who you you learn how he works and and his background through the story mode, but you're not really given a lot of like okay, this is what you do, this is his big moves, this is his stuff. It just kind of throws you out there with him, and that's that's kind of problematic. And a lot of the a lot of the new things that are trying to implement in terms of the gameplay, you know, aside from the story mode, um, like the uh, the uh, critical edge system. I mean, it's very derivative. I mean, it, it's stuff that we've seen in you know Capcom's fighting series for 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 years now. Can and you describe this critical edge to us? Yes, for those of us who who haven't spent as much time. Absolutely, with it. the critical <laughs> edge. Uh, there, you have a gauge at the top of the screen next to your life bar, which fills up gradually as you do damage onto your opponent and take damage. Um, and once this gauge gets filled up to a certain level, uh, you can perform a critical edge move, which uh, for typically everyone, I think it's um, you you do two rolls towards your opponent, which is, you know, down, down, forward, forward, rolls, for those who don't know what about that in fighting games. Um, and uh, you press, I think it's horizontal attack, um, vertical attack, and kick. And you will perform a critical edge move, which is basically a super-powered move that has this little animation attached to it of your guy doing something really cool-looking and taking a giant chunk of damage out of your opponent if it connects. So basically, it's a hyper-combo from UMVC3. Right, or a, a super-combo, or yeah, so on and so forth. super-combo. So. It's yep. all right. It is has it, many names. Is and, it blockable? Um, it is blockable. Oh, ah, okay. Well, well actually, it, sorry, it, it varies from opponent to opponent, just... or. or Sorry, from fighter to fighter, just how blockable their their move is. Some of them have a longer wind up time uh, and are unblockable. Uh, Cervantes has one where he like does this shot that fills up half the screen and it's unblockable. But you know you see it coming if you're his opponent, and you know if you know what to look for, you can sidestep it fairly easily. So there are there are uh, you know caveats to to pulling off these moves. Okay. But, but not, it's not but, reinventing the wheel. It's not no. bringing anything really new to the fighting genre. Exactly. Okay. It's you know it's new to Soul Calibur, but not new to anyone else. Now, uh, compared to other Soul Calibur games, like, do you just feel like, I mean, it's fun, but it, I mean, if you're, yeah, if you're a hardcore Soul Calibur, Soul Calibur, Soul Calibur, if you're a hardcore Soul Calibur fan, then I recommend checking it out. Um, if only f- to see how the, the characters handle uh, to play as Ezio. If you're a huge like Assassin's Creed fan too, um, he's actually a pretty solid character. I wasn't sold on him when I first started. That's what I was gonna say. Him. I think I was watching you playing with him, and you were hating on him at first. Yeah, but he does take some getting used to. Um, okay. He's definitely not for. He's not a beginner character. I'll say that. Um, but once you figure out his timing, you understand his rhythm with his moves. Um, he's a really good character. He's pretty solid, and he hits really hard. Which is, if you're like a, a fan of the the Power Guys, um, like uh, Rock, who's not in Soul Calibur Five, um, then you will like Ezio. Interesting. How does Voldo handle, and <laughs> how would you say his cod piece measures up to the just <laughs> overall canon of Soul Calibur Voldo cod pieces? Well, okay. To answer the first part of your question, take a spaghetti noodle, cook it. Like, not al dente, but, like, really cook it. Mm. And then just wave it around, like, in your wrist for, like, five minutes. And that's playing with Valdo. <laughs> okay, good. That's yeah. perfect. That sounds like he's tuned to perfection. Exactly. I typically only <laughs> ever play as Voldo. Um, awesome. Voldo's in, a great character. In Soul Calibur. I love him in Sergi as well. But, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, and his cod piece? And, oh, his cod piece. Um, he's got a few different ones this time around. Does, uh, his most he? prominent one no is a furry bumblebee looking cod piece <laughs> if you can imagine like it's something sting would wear you know right after he disbanded the police right talking like island of the blue turtles type stuff wow so it was a it was a consideration for his dune cod piece but just didn't make the cut <laughs> no <laughs> no was, um this was not 
House Harkonnen approved. Wow. So now is the story just as cheesy as ever? Like you're trying to get the the soul blade, the soul caliber, the soul edge, well, and the soul everything, and and then you don't really care because you're just playing a fighting game, and then you get to the end and you win and you have a sword and then you start the ladder again did i get it yes and no <laughs> nailed it there's not really much of a story we mode. did it guys <laughs> in the standard arcade mode there's not much of a story um it's just six consecutive battles and you know you time yourself how, how quickly you can get through those six battles good for you um but yeah like i was saying earlier with the the patrick close story mode um that's where they put most of the focus in terms of you know what's actually happening with the Soul Caliber Sword and Soul's Edge and or Soul Edge. I want to play the Patrick Swayze stuff. story mode. Oh my God! You would dominate. You would just roundhouse kick everyone in the face. <laughs> Get out of my dive bar. Get out of my roadhouse. There'd have to be That's a stage say. called <laughs> called uh, Roadhouse. There, there could be a ghost stage. <laughs> oh, it could. Awesome. Anyways, Sorry. anyways, moving on. That's moving that's on. Soul Caliber. Patrick Swayze and Patrick so Close. It's good. It's good. It's, but it's, it's not, not gonna, yeah. groundbreaking. I mean, if it's definitely not the best in the series. Um, it's not the worst either. So okay. I mean, there it it has its faults. But if you're a Soul Calibur fan and you love the franchise, then definitely give it a shot. Nice. Um, if you're not, then this one is not going to change you. Yeah, it's not going to change your mind. All right, moving on from this week's releases, uh, Pete, you recently saw Alan Wake. I saw like eight things, but Alan Wake was <laughs> one of them. Yeah, I've been I've been singing the praises about Alan Wake. Yeah, for, and for now, a while now I finally got my hands on it too. Cool. And what I uh, was writing about, and what I really noticed <clears throat> about the whole thing, is how wide open it is. Uh-huh. Like obviously, like you went through some city streets and some forest areas, and it wasn't like completely corridor driven, um, crazy, but. Alan Wake's American Nightmare is totally, like, you can wander around the desert where there's nothing around you at yeah. all, except, like, the wind, and it's a little, it gets creepy. And then all of a sudden, you're going to be jumped by some Taken. But the, the way the combat works now, it's so much faster. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as you hit a group of enemies, they're flanking you and surrounding you. So you have, like, six guys on all sides, you know, somebody on each side of you. And now, luckily, you have things like crossbows and assault rifles and other just crazy things to fight them off with. Yeah. And the flashlight's got a really fast recharge so that you cool. can... Um, you know, knock the darkness off and shoot them away. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's looking really good. Like, the survival mode's a lot of fun, and that's another one that kind of really showcases how fast the enemies are and how quickly they try to overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the other one, as, as much as you get attacked by a whole bunch of people at once, um, like, they were a little bit slower, and there was only, like, I remember that one part where you're waiting for the helicopter, where you really have to hold them off. Yeah. Um, but this is much more, like in your face cool it's looking good coming out in what three weeks yeah real soon that's pretty week today yeah the the yeah. 20 22nd yeah um yeah and uh though the weaponry got really crazy this i know time there's all too. kinds of stuff there's a nail gun yeah. um there's flashbangs mm-hmm. which work uh you know like a grenade but it pretty much takes all the darkness off whatever you're trying to fight at the time um mm-hmm. which is a nice little touch and I, I didn't even know. Like, the thing is, you collect manuscript pages, kind of like Alan Wake. But right. this time, if you, say, have, like, collected 40 pages, you can unlock this weapon trunk and get some crazy cool weapon. Like, a, you know, like I already said, an assault rifle or something bigger or cooler like awesome. that. It's looking good, though. And it definitely doesn't feel like a downloadable game. Like, it still feels like Alan Wake. Yeah. I mean, that's, those are my thoughts exactly. Like, it seems like they're adding so much into it. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's downloadable now versus retail. It's... It's pretty mind-boggling. Yeah. Well, it's looking good. I'm yeah. excited for that one. Great. <coughs> and you also saw another huge 360 pseudo-exclusive, Pseudo I guess. Pseudo-exclusive. Console-exclusive. Uh, yeah, Witcher 2. I yeah. checked that out last week. Tell us about it. Um, it's, it puts us in a really interesting position because it's a sequel. There's mm-hmm. this whole huge PC RPG and this whole world based on these Polish fantasy novels that The Witcher is based on. But when you jump into Witcher 2 it, as an Xbox 360 player, you don't really know that. And while on one hand you don't have to know that, because they do a pretty good job setting up, okay, this is what a Witcher is, this is how the world works. There's very much like conversations with different characters where they're referencing things or throwing out character or place names that just don't make any sense uh, out of context. So it's kind of like this hardcore game that's like, all right, uh, we don't really care if you know what we're talking about. You mm-hmm. better just hang on, come along for the ride. And I was writing about, too, um, in this whole preview, like how, you know, I think I compared it to like, okay, yeah, it uses every button on the Xbox, mm-hmm. um, which isn't a new thing 
per se, but the way it operates and the way combat is timed and the way you have to mix magic and parrying and, um, oh, what's the word? Like riposte, which is like <laughs> a, you know, counterattack sort of thing. Yeah. Um, just the timing and all this, it's, it's really hardcore. Like you can only take like two or three hits from an enemy and unless you have like uh, several potions and magical auras on you, you're just going to go down. So you have to be very um, mindful of where you are in combat, like in front of an enemy, behind an enemy, not get surrounded, and slowly work your way through the enemies with one of two swords, depending on... That's the way the Witcher works. He's got a steel sword for all the humans and Mm -hmm. straight-up fighting, but for any kind of monster or magical creature, he has a silver sword, so you have to switch back and forth. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that's uh, that's how it was. uh, I played the uh, PC version. Yeah. The, of not of Witcher Two, but of the first game, like many many years ago. Yeah, I, I remember that. Too. Remember that being a, a pretty important element. Yeah, I'm super excited for the Witcher Two. I mean, it, it looks, looks good. Amazing. Like they've they've redone a bunch of the um, uh, CG movies, like the interstitials yeah. and cutscenes. And I don't know if you guys caught it on IGN, like the new opening trailer. I think it's like I know obviously it's January, but it's <laughs> I think that's gonna be one of the best trailers this year. That was an that awesome opening's trailer. fantastic. That was great. Yeah, it's awesome. I loved it. So, I mean, if you guys have been, like, waiting, like, where's the hardcore RPG? This other stuff's too soft. This is pretty hardcore when totally. it comes to role-playing games, on console especially. So, go buy it if you want to see more stuff like that happen. Yeah. I mean, we've got, you know, Witcher 2 coming out real soon. Amalur is... Uh, yes, I was just going to say. Amalur is next yeah. week. I'm super excited yeah. for that. Now, uh, what's happening this week with Kingdoms of Amalur? What's happening this week? Yeah. We live, have a stream. live stream on yep. Friday. Yep. And then what happens after the live stream? Exclusive review. The exclusive review. Yep. We're going to so, see how our very own what our very own Colin Moriarty thinks of yeah. the game. Yeah. He's just been absent. It's taken like days <laughs> of his life as it's absorbing And it, it's that like nobody kid. has to ask where Colin is. We know he's just like in a dark room at home playing Amalur for hours upon hours. And he couldn't be happier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's already written like eight pages for our review in progress because <laughs> exactly. it's yeah. such a giant game. I mean, so I don't remember. I don't know if you guys have talked about this on a podcast uh, yet or not, but um, the guys at 38 Studios said that uh, one of their testers did a speed run of the entire game. Uh-huh. Um, all the content, the main quest, and then all the side quests, all the specializations, everything. And it took them 200 hours. Good Lord. <laughs> That's crazy. Knowing where to go, knowing how to complete things. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this is a giant game it's on, a, on like, the Skyrim sort of uh, scale. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll admit, you know, at the start of this year, this wasn't, it wasn't really a game that was high on my list. I mean, I, I had heard grumblings here and there about it, but my excitement has just been billowing over the past month for this game. And I, I can't wait for it. It's, yeah, it's climbing up the list is one of my most anticipated titles. What'd you think of the demo? I love the demo. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, <clears throat> I liked how versatile the class system was. Um, that was a great thing. It it really gives you a sense. If you, I don't know if you guys have played the demo, but absolutely download it as soon as as soon as you hear this. Wow, um, it's it's great. Uh, it start, it, okay. yeah, it starts you out um, with um, you know teaching you how to use the fighting class and you know the mechanics of attacking and using your shield. Um, it gives you a taste of the rogue class with sneak kills and stuff like that. Um, it shows you the the magic class, which I think is probably going to be the most fun. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to to you know loop combos together by by doing you know staff attacks that also have some some sort of inherent magical damage and then you know closing off the combo with with a giant magic blast, it's it's really awesome and the and the uh, the reckoning system too, um, where if you you have to build up enough of this gauge, and then you can pull off Is these it awesome a attacks. Critical edge gauge. No, <laughs> it's it's Sorry. it's pretty different. Um, you, you pull kidding. off these reckoning attacks, and it will net you more experience um, if you if you perform them correctly. And they're you know very flashy, crazy, giant moves. Um, yeah, I mean I I cannot speak highly enough of this demo. It's awesome. And then once you get through the initial tutorial parts, where it walks you through the the opening dungeon, uh, gives you a taste of the story. Uh, it gives you forty five minutes just to play around. Wow. And uh, there are plenty of unlockables, too. I mean, that's the other part of the demo. Oh, really? Yeah. You can unlock a bunch of stuff for Kingdoms of Amalur. If you... Isn't there something related to Mass Effect 3, yes, too? Yes. There are a couple Mass Effect unlocks. Weird. Mass Effect 3 unlocks that you can get in the game, too. Um, and make sure that you cash out the 45 minutes uh, of, the, of the demo's play clock. Because once you get to the very end of that, there's another Mass Effect 3 demo. Or Mass Effect 3 bonus 
um, that will unlock in the in the final game. Cool. Mm. ME3. Now, speaking of, I know we're just kind of deviating here, uh, <laughs> but speaking of other demos, I mean, the Darkness 2 demo's out. Isn't uh-huh. the... Uh, Syndicate came Syndicate, out today. Isn't Azra's Wrath demo out as well? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, lots of lots of demos, lots of games coming out. We just got Darkness Two in the office yesterday, yep. and um, so Anthony Gallegos is reviewing that, and he's been playing it a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, that comes out in two weeks, I think. I think it's the seventh. I think yeah. it's next oh, Tuesday. Was it next week? Next yeah. week. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast, we're talking getting like, big. Yeah, you know, things are just <laughs> heating up again. Here we are, just totally. tons of games. So it's yeah, like fall all over again. How did we get here, Steven? I don't this know. This month, yeah. We, what do we have? We, we had a month of respite. We have Amalur, Darkness, Syndicate, all in February? Yep. This month. Yeah. I keep thinking yeah. we're well, still in And January. then Mass Effect 3 demo comes out in two weeks. Yep. And yeah. we're going to be doing a live stream of that. Um, we'll have some details here uh, soon on IGN.com. But uh, we'll show you the uh, the beginning of the demo. We don't want to spoil it, but the beginning of the demo uh, first before it comes out. And then we'll have some never-before-seen uh, gameplay uh, from the multiplayer mode as well. That'll be, I think, the day before the demo goes live. But more details soon on that. Absolutely. Awesome. It's it's coming. Looking it's forward billowing to it. on us, guys. All right. Um, you said billowing twice. That's amazing. I did. I'm a, I'm a billower. Wow. <laughs> I'm a billower. That's my name. I'm changing it. All right. Um, so, yeah, that should do it for our topics. Let's move on to email. All email! Right. Oh, thank there you. you. We've Sorry. been trying to recreate it for the last few weeks. It just Every is, week. It's not we the try same. It. It, yeah. Oh, that doesn't work. Good. <laughs> Randall asks, with both Sony and Microsoft saying they have no plans to release a new console this year, and Sony saying specifically there will be no announcement at E3 this year, it seems safe that the next generation of consoles is not yet upon us. However, it is clearly not that fall off. And my question is, is it too soon? What do you guys think? Is it too soon for a new console? For a new console? To launch? No, I think, uh, actually, the point that makes sense from Randall's question, it's, Randall, you sent in a very long question, <laughs> um, is that he thinks, his understanding is that developers still can't completely utilize what we've got. Uh-huh. But I, don't, I think that's becoming less and less the case. I think we're getting more to a point where developers are hitting limits and having to scale things back and find workarounds and find new ways to optimize their engines, whereas they could actually use more power if it was available. Correct. Like a good example is Epic's uh, Samaritan demo that we saw um, mm-hmm. not too long ago. Or actually, I think it was about a year ago. Gosh, wasn't it? Was it? GDC it was a GDC last, last year. year. Yeah, yeah, so almost mm-hmm. a year. But um, what that demo represents is sort of the next evolution of um, what's possible. And that type of... Um, content just couldn't be handled by the current generation of hardware. So, okay. I mean, so do we necessarily need it right now? I mean, I think that developers are in their stride, meaning we're seeing... 2011, for instance, was an example of some of the best uh, content that we've seen for this generation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, arguably, just fantastic graphics. And this is across the board, Xbox 360. I should say, not across the board, but Xbox 360 and PS3. Not so much on the Wii. Um <laughs> But uh, for both of those systems, I mean, we're seeing, you know, Naughty Dog continues to outdo itself uh, graphically and not quite as much in the gameplay. But, um, <laughs> I mean, Uncharted 3 was, you know, a sight to behold. It looked beautiful. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gears of War 3 was just totally incredible. Fantastic. Um, so I, I think that it's – it's it's it, I think it's right on time for what I think is going to happen in 2012, which uh, E3 we should see this next iteration of what the, the next Xbox will be. Um, and all signs are sort of po- pointing to that Xbox, that next box coming out in 2013. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think we'll all be playing Halo 4 this fall on our 360s and loving the crud out of it. Yeah, the other part of Randall's question, too. I mean, he talks about, you know, whether or not, you know, beefing up those consoles and, uh, you know, the the increase of power that we're going to see in, like, the 720, um, do you think that will have a negative impact on you know games being made in the future and you know development cycles because when you look at how much money it's cost i mean you know the the actual manpower of creating a game is pretty high yeah obviously but you know it's it's basically the financial cost that weighs mostly on publishers and developers how much how many people you need to employ now to make a game and uh you know generate this content and all the different sections and, and areas that, that now have to be paid attention to that you frankly didn't have to worry about in earlier console generations. So, I mean, with, when, we, when we went to, you know, HD content from where we were last generation, you know, that, the, the cost of game development just absolutely ballooned because it's, it takes a lot more effort and a lot more, you know, power, manpower and money 
to make a HD game these days. So, I mean, do you think, you know, as we get even better and, and, and uh, create even more gorgeous-looking games like Uncharted 5 mm-hmm. or whichever one comes out on the next system or whatever comes out on the 720, um, are we going to have a problem where games are just too expensive to really maintain that? I don't know if it'll get too expensive. Because, I mean, on the whole, I think the industry is still really growing. And mm-hmm. sales are huge across the board. I mean, even though some companies obviously will have a dud and there's layoffs yeah. and studio closures, on the whole, like, gaming isn't going anywhere. Um, so maybe there might be less games produced, but there's still the demand there, so the fewer games are going to be purchased more in that regard. I, I mean, think. Yeah, but even that seems pretty dangerous. I, I mean, we're, we're seeing a trend already right now where there's sort of a disappearing middle, where you've got the this core group of publishers, uh, first party and third party, that produce the AAA games, these mm-hmm. giant games with you know huge development budgets, gi- you know enormous marketing budgets, so on and so forth. Uh, the developers that and publishers who sort of produce the middle of the road content. Um, aren't quite as prevalent as they used to be. Um, I think that this type of a thing, moving to uh, yet another generation of consoles, will probably see that trend increase. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, it's the same sort of thing as switching from the Xbox to Xbox 360. It just it requires more resources, yeah. um, and yeah. everybody has to sort of relearn. Um, I, I think that there is sort of a, a general opinion that um, the architecture isn't going to change so dramatically like they're going to just have to go back to the drawing board forgive the the cliche but um i think it's it's going to be sort of um an updated upgraded more powerful version of what they're working with now Uh, Mm -hmm. but i mean we still don't have any of the specifics but the early word on the street is the the new xbox isn't going to you know be night and day um different from what what we have in our you know entertainment centers right now as far, as far as like the guts of it and relearning, you know how to how to program for it. Mm-hmm. But we could be wrong, and the assumptions that we're making, <laughs> exactly. and the information that we're getting. So hopefully, <clears throat> obviously, we'll learn uh, more about that uh, at E3. Um, we also there's an event coming up uh, later this month where we'll probably hear the first new news about Halo 4 and potentially mm-hmm. maybe some news about this this next box. Who knows? So That'd I think cool, the time is right though. Absolutely. Yep. Chris says that he primarily buys all of his games digitally. I understand the day and date issues has to do with keeping retailers happy, but I don't understand why it takes so long for games to be released on live. I have a list of games from last year that I really want. Portal 2, Deus Ex, Lego Pirates. Those games are over six months old. How long do I really have to wait? Um, I think it comes down to uh, licensing issues. I mean, if you're pretty much any time a retailer, a brick-and-mortar store, uh, wants to get a game from a publisher, they have to go through an entire sales channel and determine how many copies they're going to buy, all this stuff. And that's just for buying these copies of games that you can get anywhere. I mean, anyone can basically come to EA and say, hey, I would like Crisis 2 on my shelf. Um, usually it comes down to EA offering it to the to the retailer. Yeah, But... Um, when it comes to like actually making a game available for a downloadable service, there are a lot of different things that you have to consider. Um, you know, there's putting the game on that channel. There's revenue streams that have to be, you know, brought up, and it's it takes a while. I mean, it's it's not an easy process. Yeah, and I think for like like a question like this, we get just as many emails like, "Oh, when is this downloadable game going to be available on retail?" You know, yeah, that's that sort true. of thing. So it's still not it's not a standard that you go to games on demand to buy new games. I mean, that almost mm-hmm. never happens. Um, so I think that's going to be one consideration. You might be one of the lucky few who is really hoping that this next <laughs> next box is all digital. Yeah, because um, then you're going to have those day and date day one releases on download but for now it's still yeah like steven's saying a licensing issue and well such as that also the, uh, right now the model for games on demand um is is revenue based uh, to some degree i mean uh like you recently wrote an article peter about how uh, different games they're only selected once they've sold over a million copies yeah there's a um and there, there's a criteria there is a formula it's but it's not the, there's not like a um 
there's not like a release schedule, meaning, okay, Portal 2 came out in March of 2011, so three months or 90 days after yeah. the release, yeah. if it meets, you know, if it sells over a million, then it will it will hit. And it, it's going to be based on, you know, like you said, the, I don't know if it's as much licensing agreements, it's just, uh, you know, which publishers want that stuff to exist on which different platform. So mm-hmm. I would love to see the next Xbox have day and date, both retail, because we're not going to see retail disappear in this next generation. It's probably going to take a whole nother one. Yeah. Um, but yeah. there will be a day when, you know, you'll be able to get everything digitally um, and you'll be able to do it off this imaginary cloud, which by the way, folks, uh, you know, the, the notion of a cloud is, is just a fancy name for a different server. There, there's no servers in clouds. So. <laughs> oh, Wait, what? You just blew my mind, bro. What'd you say? (laughs) What? It's a cloud. But yeah, basically, there's no real (laughs) arbitrary number. There's just a lot of hurdles and hoops that need to be jumped over and through. Um, But yeah, I mean, Portal 2, Deus Ex, Lego Pirates, those are all huge million-selling games. they'll They'll be on there soon enough. If UFC 2010 is on there, I'm sure Deus Ex will be on there if it's not already. What the hell is that supposed to mean? That game was amazing. Moving on to oh, the next question <laughs> from Michael. Michael asks, "Where has where have the where has sorry, the memorable game soundtrack gone? Last week you talked about the great soundtrack of Final Fantasy VII, and it got me thinking. Most of us can hear a MIDI track and recognize what 8-bit classic it is from. The most recent soundtrack I can recall is the Halo theme." Is it that developers don't focus on this aspect of games anymore, or is it that we as gamers are focusing more on gameplay? What say you, crew? wouldn't say there's a lack of focus on soundtrack. No, I don't think it's the developers at all. No. I think it's uh, an individual basis. Like yeah. Some gamers will be like, every game they could name a song or tell you if it was good or bad or memorable or not memorable. Yeah. Personally, um, I don't know. I notice some. I don't notice others. But yes. I don't think it's gone at yeah, all. Some music is just, uh, I think it, it is more atmospheric and just right. ambient as opposed to something that's really striking. Like To me, the music that stood out uh, from 2011, uh, or one of the soundtracks that stood out most for me was Deus Ex, mm-hmm. Human Revolution. Yeah, for sure. Super um, recognizable. Like You hear it for a moment, and it just immediately makes me think everything's going to turn gold, and I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, my arms could bust through walls. Um, the same to a lesser degree was true with Portal um, last year uh, but you know there's plenty of games that you would hear the sounds but maybe not recognize a song so I just think mm-hmm. that soundtrack and sound design as a whole has changed I mean back from the 1816 uh, 32-bit eras there, there was very you know there was a limitation that the, the soundtracks were trying to do everything you know yeah, yeah. Um, now we've got you know full Dolby THX surround sound and you know entire teams dedicated to the design of the sound including the soundtrack so there's just more to it yeah I mean in those in those eight 16-bit days you couldn't really do ambience I mean exactly like the closest you could get to ambience, I, I like the the march when you're standing outside a narsh and there's no music playing in Final Fantasy VI, and it's just the you hear the wind blowing. I mean that's as close as you could get to ambient. And don't get me wrong, that was a super ambient scene because it's <laughs> a fucking amazing game. But I mean that's really that that's kind of what it boils down to. It was a lot of uh, as Casey said, technical limitations, and. Um, Nowadays, we don't really have that. I mean, we can really convey ambience without uh, music. Sometimes a lack of music is, you know, engrossing and completely ambient. Yeah, and I think we're going to see some good soundtracks uh, for the games that are coming out this year. I bet the music in Bioshock Infinite is going to be killer. Yeah. Um, you know, very, like, throwback, the way that we've um, we've seen the music come out of the Bioshock franchise uh, sure. previously. Uh, same thing with Mass Effect 3. I mean, they um, mm-hmm. there's a new composer actually leading up um, the soundtrack creation. It's the guy that did the Moon soundtrack right. uh, for the film uh, Moon. <clears throat> and uh, one song is already actually leaked from the Mass Effect 3 uh, soundtrack, and it's very piano-driven and kind of... Like almost, it almost sounds like Leara's love theme, or, or I, f- I can't remember if it's Leara, Ashley, huh. or whichever one it was from Mass Effect One. But um, and then Halo Four obviously is coming out, so we'll probably have more chanting monks and <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, no, nice. no, no, keep going. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to it too many so times. So good. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but yeah, what are what are uh, what are some of your favorite soundtracks? Casey, you said uh, uh, Deus Ex stands out to you recently. As far as recent ones, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pete, what do you think? Of, what's a recent soundtrack? 
I've just been playing a ton of Saints Row 3, and I just like the classic tracks on the radio. There you go. Saints Row! That's a whole different way. You know, it's not like the actual soundtrack. That's much more like, oh, here's some tunes. Yeah, and I mean, that even insofar as like getting into your car and driving around, it's a pretty ambient thing just to have random songs playing. And I noticed too in that, like, there's a few songs obviously on any like soundtrack like that that'll pop up a little bit. And the way the ambience works, sometimes you'll run by a car and it'll get louder and go back down because you just passed the, the open window sort of thing. Awesome. Uh, for me personally, I love the uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World soundtrack. I think nice. that's one of the best ones I've heard in years. Um, done by uh, how do you pronounce Anim- it? Gucci, I think, is how you pronounce it. Don't know. Uh, they're a, a chiptune band, an awesome one, and they did a fantastic job with that soundtrack. Um, if you love Good game eight bit chiptune sounding crap, definitely check it out. It's a great <laughs> soundtrack. It's amazing. Cool. Dead Space Two is awesome too. Oh yeah, Dead Space. Talking about, you know, crazy, just ambient noise yeah. and terrifying pee-your-pants gameplay. It's great. <laughs> Definitely recommend it. Blake has noticed a pattern with home consoles. It seems that the third entry to every company's series in consoles generally underperforms compared to their predecessors. Uh, he brings up, you know, the NES and the Super Nintendo and the uh, Nintendo 64 suffering a little bit. Uh, I think that there were a lot of issues that went into the Nintendo 64. I wouldn't say just by nature of being the third system, it had those problems. There was a lot, a lot that kind of went wrong yeah. with the uh, 64. But otherwise, uh, he says, you know, the PlayStation and the PlayStation 2 being huge sellers, and the three and the PS3 having a rocky start because of pricing. Once again, a lot of like very specific issues went into that. Um, but basically, his question is. Now that the Xbox is getting its third iteration, do we think something's going to happen, be it Microsoft's fault or not, that will cause the next box to underperform? I don't think so. I think I don't think there's enough data to base this theory of threes on. <laughs> and I'd argue that the Xbox 360 already hit that like terrible twos, red ring to all hell. Oh, that's true. Launch terribleness. It's very true. It seems like Microsoft had a ton of growing pains yeah. with the 360. So. Um, that could be huge, hugely good news for the uh, upcoming system. Yeah. Um, you know, you live, you learn, <laughs> you love. Wow. You game. <laughs> yeah, I think that Microsoft has their act together. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. when they did the slim launch, it was effortless. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that system performs <laughs> so much more uh, you know, superiorly to it really the, does to the mm-hmm. original um, 360 and even the Elite. So I, I think we're going to see th- this next Xbox have very few yeah. problems compared to... Yeah, I think they got it all out in the 360. <laughs> I hope they did. If they yeah. didn't, you know, if, if that means that, you know, if if Blake is right and the the third Xbox is going to be worse than the 360, then, oh, God, help us all. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But, I mean, you know, like you said, they have their act together with the uh, the Slim, but even something, you know, even more of a softer launch, like the like Connect. Yeah. I mean, that went extremely well for them. You know, mm-hmm. say what you will about the, the launch lineup and the and the lack of super hardcore games. I mean, that, that, that device came out and was hugely successful. People bought it, and a lot of them play it. And it's got a lot of uh, developer support. Yeah, might it, not be the developer support we want necessarily out of the device, but right. it does have a lot of developer support. Yeah, it broke a Guinness work Book of World Records um, record for the the most units sold of a brand new launch yeah. uh, in a condensed amount of period, uh, c- condensed amount of time. Oh, wow. I believe it sold 10 million units in its first month. Yeah, which so. is crazy. Super successful. I mean, a lot of people consider that the uh, $150 asking price at the time was going to be a barrier for it, but People didn't care. Yeah, people didn't care. They wanted it. Isn't it finally, isn't today the launch day for Connect for Windows? Yes. yes. Or the, the SDK has gone yeah. out of beta. I want to see more of the crazy tech stuff and just cool stuff come out of that. Because yeah, I know absolutely. it's possible. Well, you know those PC programmers, they're, they're shifty people. Yeah. So I think we're going to see some crazy stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, compared to, you know... They just, I don't know. I, I completely agree, Peter. I, I think that um, we're, I want to see some crazy stuff from the Windows Connect. I think Connect the, and I the think most direct thing we're going to see from that is modders bringing Connect into normal games. I bet we're going to see in the next three months Connect Skyrim. Oh, man. And things like that on PC. I, I believe it. Crazy. I'm not saying it's going to be good or anything, <laughs> but I'm going to say somebody's going to do it just to prove it can be done. How would that work? Like, you just do, like, a Fuss Rodeau 
like do you yell connect. at the connect you have your drive <laughs> that would work that <gasps> actually would work actually a great idea i think you i think you cracked the code i Casey. just made that up yep you just invented skyrim on connect you're welcome Bethesda. <laughs> well done <laughs> better with connect Cammy J says, Hey guys, it's my first time writing in, but I'm a long time listener. Anyways, my question is with the 360 having at least one more under its belt, the, uh, I mean, the yearly update, sorry, the yearly dashboard update, having one more under its belt, what do we want from the next one? I'm still getting used to this one. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never, for me, the dashboard is always a means to an end. And yeah. I guess uh, it's a matter of how convenient that means is, but I don't really care. Like, I'm going to use it to go play a game or go download something. Yeah. And I, I've never really felt too strongly one way or the other about it. It's just there. So I can't say, new dashboard needs this. Well, I mean, I, I agree with you in to a point. Yeah. I mean, you know, gaming is about games. And yeah. The 360 is about games. But... You know, there there is a definite shift in focus, at least as far as Microsoft is concerned. They're mm-hmm. really trying to make this into an entertainment box. And for that to happen, there has to be, you know, updates to user interfaces and added applications and, you know, stuff like we've been seeing with the apps. Like, there's a bunch of new TV programs on there now, and they, they put them out, you know, almost weekly now. You're getting brand new apps and new licensing partnerships and yep. that kind of deals with uh, television providers. Um, so it, it it seems that the Xbox is really trying to position itself as a living room device and not a gaming device, which is you know fine, just so long as it you know does what we love and yeah. keeps putting on great games. Um, that said, there are some changes I would definitely like to see in a new further dashboard update. I think that they should bring back some more focus to Xbox Live Arcade games. Um, or any game on the system, actually, like games on demand, uh, Xbox Live indie games, everything, all gaming experiences that you can download for the 360 just seem really buried. And I think that's a huge problem for the system. It's a huge problem for developers. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a huge problem for anyone who's like, hey, we made this great game. We're selling it on Xbox Live Arcade. You should check it out. It's It's really hard for them now because it's such a buried experience and the only way to get any kind of real front page prominence and to have people actually see your game without looking for it um is to you know buy some sort of ad space yeah on the front page and you know a lot of a lot of game developers frankly can't afford it you know they have to rely on word of mouth they have to rely on people actually seeing that their game is out um before they can you know start making money to buy those advertisements. I got to say, though, even though the stuff like that and the browsing abilities are definitely tucked away, in general, just browsing through a chronological list of what's new, it's mm. actually much easier with this new dashboard update. True. Because every week I yeah. put together, like, the you know, this week on Xbox Live, this is, like, what's new, the new DLC, new all this stuff, and it's much easier now to find it exactly what's new this week. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, there were so many just windows to find your sales and specials and DLC. It was, it was a tougher process, I thought. Yeah, well, it. Yeah, that is easier, but to get to that actual list yeah. is a huge pain in the ass. Unless you use Connect for everything. Well, even then. I mean, you, you have to. Like, it, it's kind of annoying when you uh, want to watch, like, let's say Netflix. Mm-hmm. Instead of just going on the home page, the very first screen when you turn on your system, instead of being able to go Xbox, Netflix, or even just Netflix, you have to go Xbox apps xbox netflix and then you have to surf shit around like <laughs> there, there's so many just weird things of like okay why can't you cut out that step why why is this happening you know and and maybe that's another thing that i'd like to see in the new dashboard update i'd like to see the the connect controls as as handy as they can be as intuitive as they are and how well they work i'd like to see them streamlined a bit more you know they're still pretty good, though. I mean, I'm, even last night we were at your pad and we were watching. What were we watching? Portlandia. Yeah. And you kept saying Xbox next episode, and it's just like <laughs> whoosh, whoosh. that is kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's super responsive. It it works great. Um, there's just a lot of tiny little caveats that add up. The show's great, by the way. It is. It's, it's fantastic. Really funny. <laughs> we were trying to make sure that we'd seen all of them. I think we, yeah. there was there was one or two sketches that uh, we had missed and we finally found last yeah. night. But they're yeah. only they're only six episodes in season one. It's a real bummer. Yeah, but there were two last night that I hadn't seen, and they were just pieces of them. I, yeah, I, I had oh, seen okay. portions of, or you know, maybe we zoned out or turned it off. I don't even know. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. 
Good. But yeah, um, anything that you'd like to see fixed or changed, Casey? In- um, I would say just that. I mean, like, yeah. again, like last night we were looking for arcade games. It, it took us, I think we had to go through four separate screens to get to the content that we wanted to see. And I agree with Peter. I think it's laid out very nicely once you get there. Yeah. But I mean, I don't trust that people have the patience and the the perseverance to get to all that content. I mean, there's plenty of people that aren't like us that just eat, drink, and sleep video games. Yeah. And so I, I just don't want things to be lost. So that would, yep. that would be it. I mean, it looks really cool, but um, yeah. yeah. I think from all the comments I see on IGN, not quite related to dashboard update, comments on IGN and emails we get, people just want HBO Go. If you're going to make it an entertainment center, bring out HBO Go already. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what the holdup is there, but I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to that app. I'm an HBO subscriber, so I can't wait. (laughs) I get to watch HBO on my TV, guys. (laughs) What? What? That's crazy. It's nuts. Yay. That does it for email. 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 There you go. Um, Let's move on to some MBKs. Oh, jeez. Some rapid fire ones. We're we're running on time, guys. Let's 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 do it. Go fast. Um, Michael says, "Bubblelicious, Big League Chew, and Bubble Tape." Mary Boff Kill Go. Mary Bubblelicious, Boff Bubble Tape, Kill Chew. Oh, what? You can't kill Chew. I'm killing Chew. <laughs> no way. Marry Big League Chew, Boff, Bubblicious, and kill Bubble Tape. Yeah, I would I would agree with Casey. You got to kill Bubble Tape. It's it's crap. I mean, you chew it. <laughs> terrible. Chew and for bu- 30 seconds, and, and it's like you have rubber cement in your mouth. Exactly. And Bubblicious, to a <laughs> lesser degree, is the same sort of thing. It, although it's probably a good 10 minutes. That's why yeah. you just boff it, and it's done. You're done. You're, you're done. 10 Hold minutes, on. and it's done. Yep. Okay. Daniel says... Uh, David Letterman, Conan O'Brien, or Jay Leno? Mary Boff Kilgo. First of all, gross. But second of all... <laughs> that uh, order for me. Yeah, that order for me, too. Uh, my order would be uh, Mary Conan, Boff Letterman, Kill Leno. Okay. You gotta but kill Leno. Letterman, Letterman's celebrating his 30th year on television. That's why I lean towards Mary. Because well, it's long-term. It's longevity. Life. Yeah, he's not it's going anywhere. great and all, but... You know, Conan's no spring chicken. He's been around for a long time. Not 30 years. I think he's been in the business he's for... He's not been on TV as a late-night host for 30 years. Okay, no, he hasn't, but he's been actively involved. I'm just explaining my rationale. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. But I'm just saying, Conan is a comic genius. It's awesome. Watch Great. his movie. Well, uh, shit, I forgot what it's called. The stand-up one? The yeah, tour one? Yeah, the one about his tour. Okay. Can't stop some. Never... Oh, fuck, I don't remember. I know what you're saying. It's on Netflix, Netflix right? Yeah, Never say is. never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what just it's called be guys just watch Conan that O'Brien. so this next one we should skip because I don't want to cut any of these and I don't understand the question it's uh, mediums yeah, yeah but, but just a- different so mediums animation yeah novels and films there's plenty of animated films well then don't pay attention or lump, lump those into whichever category you want it's exactly alright all right, Stephen I'm going to sit here and not pay attention it's like a Rorschach test great advice. just whatever comes to your mind all however right. you want them to go Anyway, right, Randolph says, animation, novels, films. Mary Boff, kill go. Mary novels, Boff films, kill animation. Yep. I would do that Same too, but me. I don't want to kill animation. I love I don't animation. Either. That's, that's just it. you got to make the, the tough game. choices. Damn it, Randolph. That's the game. you got to put down Old Yeller. All right, keep going. <laughs> All right, that guy, you know the one. He says, Yvonne Strahovski, who is the uh, actress uh, from the TV show Chuck. Mm-hmm. And uh, also played Miranda in Mass Effect 2 and 3. Don't spoil it. You get to the rest of the... I know. I, I, just, have to give some, I just have to give some, some background MB- as to who she is. Okay. Okay. Uh, anyway, her, her character, Sarah Walker from Chuck or Miranda Lawson? Mary Boff Kilgo. Uh, I'm going to marry the actress herself. Boff Sarah Walker from Chuck and kill Miranda Lawson. I'm going to do it in that order. No. Yvonne's probably rich. She's on TV. Exactly. She's got a lot of money. And voiceover work. And she's a beautiful woman, which is a good thing. Yep. Uh, Sarah Walker, because I would boff, because she's a person. And she's also like a spy, yeah. which is pretty pretty freaking hot. She and, looks good on uh, that show, too. Yeah, she really does. And Miranda Lawson I'd have to kill, because she's not real. Because you already boffed her and in And let's Mass face it, too. we already boffed her. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, Perfect. yeah, I agree. Keep going. Okay. Kobus <laughs> says... Cobus has uh, three Nintendo 64 games for us. Oh, man. Jet Force Gemini, Battle Tanks, Global Assault, and Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Mary oh, Boff, Kilgo. That's easy. Mary Star Wars, Boff, Jet Force, and Kill Battle Tanks. I'm that order. Yeah. 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 Rogue Squadron in. was incredible. Such a great game. 
at and the time. And Jet Force Gemini. Oh, also rare. Good. Yeah. Oh. It was it was really good. It was, but you, I wouldn't marry it. Um, yeah, that is not a game that holds up well. Uh, if you go back and play that now, Jet Force Gemini, you're looking janky. Little rough. Ooh, Little yikes. rough. All right. All right, that does it for questions and answers and email. Yeah. And Mary Boff kills. If you have any more questions or you just want to shoot the shit, send us a message at unlockthatign.com. Please remember to keep your questions short so we can get to them on the podcast, or at least try to. Uh, conversely, you can hit us up on Twitter at Unlocked, at P. Eichmann's, at Lynchtacular, at IGN, and myself at Stephen underscore Hopper. And today's meta achievement is <gasps> brought to you by YouTube IGN Start. There you go. Oh, good uh, one. Yeah, we just launched a brand new YouTube channel. We it, did. It's pretty awesome. Check yep, it out. Just uh, subscribe. Go to youtube.com forward slash start, and you can see it. We've got brand new shows, um, including Up and Do with Greg Miller and the next Game Boss. Um, we were going to do a really mean meta achievement uh, around Never Dead, but we're just <laughs> not going to be mean to the game. We already kicked it. And yeah. It's down. So um, we've get, we've weighed in, but we don't need to be mean-spirited. I say that somebody needs to uh, take a picture of their recently played games, and you need to have two of the newer demos that have just come out, and you need to have played them. Okay. You think? Is that good? Demos don't show up on your recently played, well, then, though, do they? damn it! I think they do. <laughs> I thought they did. I thought XP Lady ones did, but I don't think retail demos do. I don't think they do. Well, then, you know what? You come up with a meta achievement, then. Subscribe to start. That was a good idea. Oh. Yeah. Subscribe that was to start. a meta achievement. Oh, well, then. <laughs> 30 then points. I'm lame. Subscribe okay. to start. Please 30 subscribe Easiest to start. 30 points ever. Totally. And, uh, hey, you, you look out, because you get to check out awesome, awesome new content. Also, yeah. me dressed up as Master Chief. Yes, that is that is Pete in the Master <laughs> Chief costume. Shh, the secret. Oh, secret. Sorry. What? Spoilers. Whoops. All right, guys, that does it for the podcast. Thank you so much, my fellow locksmiths, for being on the podcast. Welcome back, Mr. Lynch. Welcome back. And uh, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bleep, bloop. What you want? What you really, really want? <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, <laughs> that's awesome. Do you wanna be my lover? Do you wanna be my Pokemon? I don't know the words. <laughs> Pokemon. Pokemon. No, it's, you got it. It's Pokemon. That right? Yeah, that's it. Correct. It was Pokemon. You wanna be the very best? Do you wanna be my Blastoise? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>